Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and today we're going to talk about a topic that uh, one of you listeners sent in. You asked me to talk about the myths surrounding wet food. So before we jump into that, let me welcome to the show my handsome husband and co-host, Dewey Vaughn. Hello, everyone out there in the big cat world, and hello to my beautiful wife. And I am excited about the wet food conversation because you often talk about, you know, the whole differences of dry food and wet food and all of that. So it's really good to kind of get some of this out there on the table and let some of these folks understand what wet food myths are all about. Before we do that, though, I think you have a bonding tip of the week, right? Yes, our Vitacraft bonding tip of the week. And Vitacraft, if you don't know, is a is a small small batch um, company based in Germany that makes super high quality cat treats. They don't make cat food, just cat treats, and they are my favorite cat treats to use in training. Anyway, they sponsor this bonding tip of the week, and it is scoop your litter box more often. And by that, I mean just that. Scoop it more often. (laughs) I scoop mine twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. And, you know, there's always room for improvement. I mean, twice a day is like, okay, that's a lot. But unless I'm following Pico around, you know, standing at the next of the litter box with my scooper in hand, just waiting for him to go, you know, 24-7, you know, there's always room for improvement. And why is that important to your cat? Well, it's important because cats are real fastidious. They like things to be super clean. And, you know, it's like they, when they go in a litter box, they need to have a clean spot to dig, turn around, go to the bathroom, turn back around, cover it up without stepping on any other soiled spots. Right. And so, This is why we have big litter boxes and why you need to keep them clean. And if not, it's kind of like it's kind of like us going into a public restroom and, you know, there's a stall that's just not real clean. and It's got some stuff on the seat or something. And you go, "Ooh, I'm not going to touch that. And you go to a clean stall. You go find another one. Well, it's the same way with your cat. Your cat sees that all the surfaces are soiled in the box, they're not going to want to use the box and they just might go find somewhere else to go and that would not be happy. So bonding tip of the week, scoop more often. You know, here we go again. What does scooping the box have to do with any bonding? (laughs) (laughs) I know it just seems like these are random cat tips, but it has a lot to do with bonding because you know, bonding isn't all about, well, cuddle with your cat here and touch your cat there and all about that 
physical interaction. I mean, ultimately, yes, that's what we think bonding is, that my cat wants to be close to me and wants to be touched by me. But, you know, if your cat is upset or stressed out by anything that might be going on in the environment, they're going to be a little out of sorts. And just think about it. When you're out of sorts, you don't want to bond as much as when you're feeling really great about everything. So every little thing we can do to keep that cat feeling comfortable in its environment makes them more comfortable overall. And a comfortable cat likes to bond. You know, I like the analogy you did about going into a public restrooms because that <laughs> happens a lot, right? We all have had that experience. And when a when a cat is in the wild, if you think about it, their natural behavior, they don't probably go back to that one sandbox. They're trolling through the neighborhood or you yeah, know, they got a few other places that they go that's clean. <laughs> They're actually yeah. usually placing their urine and feed at the perimeter of whatever they've decided is their their territory and especially if they sense another cat in a neighboring territory they're going to go a lot in that area but yeah they're not going to just be stepping on their old pee and poo to keep going in the same spot because that's nasty it gets their feet all dirty and you know we've all watched cats groom they really like to be clean they're very very clean creatures and you know nobody wants to groom a nasty foot so <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's move on to the other end of this conversation which is the, the wet food side so today we will talk about myths surrounding wet food <laughs> yes because you know there is a lot of misinformation out there about cat nutrition as a whole you know and it is it is getting better but you can google a question on cat nutrition and get five different answers, you know, so it's important that we talk about nutrition and, and cat food because not everything out there is is true. Let's, let's think about that for a minute. How many wet food myths are there and why is it important? Well, I'm sure that there's a lot. I, this person that, that sent in this as a suggested topic didn't send me an example list. She just said, I'd really like to hear you talk about myths about wet food. And and I hear a bunch of these. And so I've kind of focused on five that I hear the most. One is canned food creates tartar on teeth. Two is canned food will make my cat fat. Three, high protein diets are hard on the kidneys. And four, Cats need a variety of textures and shapes and colors in their food to be happy eaters. And five, canned food diets are a lot more expensive. Those are the ones I want to focus on today because those are the ones I hear in behavior consultations all the time. Okay, well, let's start off with the one right at the top. Canned food causes tartar. That's interesting. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, dental disease in cats is primarily determined by genetics, right? Some cats, just like people, have more inclination for dental disease than others, right? And if you think about how a cat's teeth are shaped and what they use them for, this might make more sense to you why this is a myth. But cats have very pointed teeth. Even their molars are sharp. You know, their molars aren't like ours. Our molars are flat. There's, if you look at your cat's teeth, their molars 
point at the top. They look like a little mountain range, right? They're not flat. And their teeth are designed to, to bite and tear and rip raw flesh, right? So when a cat eats dry kibble, they're either swallowing it whole or they're just shattering it. The kibble does not scrape down to the lower parts of the teeth near the gums, which is where the dental problems start. You know, if you pick up your cat's lip and you look at the molars and you see that yellow line kind of at the at close to the gum, that's tartar. And kibble is not in their cheek rubbing against that and scraping it off. It just it just doesn't work that way. It's it's uh, physically impossible. In fact, kibble can actually contribute to dental problems when those little shattered bits lodge between the teeth because when they're lodged in there that's just like us getting food caught in our teeth it's going to promote bacterial growth in the mouth which is going to lead to all kinds of other problems so so this myth that you know the canned food causes tartar on the teeth and you need to feed dry food so it it knocks all that off it's just a myth. If you really have tartar on your cat's teeth and you want to get it off, it needs to gnaw on something that it's gnawing on the side of their teeth. We have uh, been sent by this cool company that is a pheasant, a, a fresh pheasant farm. They make, um, it's called Pure Pheasant. They make products, food products for dogs and cats, and they have a freeze-dried pheasant neck. And I toss Pico one of those every now and then, and he gnaws on it because it's big and he can't swallow it. So he gnaws on it, and that really helps to keep the tartar down on the side of his teeth. But it's a myth that that tartar is coming from wet food. Your cat is either going to be predisposed to dental disease or not, and it's not going to make that kind of difference. Okay, so but what about the next one, which talks about my cat getting fatter. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, I, I hear that a lot. I, you know, the, these are certainly the top two that, well, you know, that wet food creates tartar and wet food makes makes cats fat. And I've even heard people say, I'm going to have to switch to dry food because my cat's just getting too fat on this canned food diet. And boy, that there's just nothing that could be farther from the truth. And I don't know why they think that. I'm not quite sure. Maybe that perception is that the canned food is, you know, packed with fat and calories. I'm not sure. But the truth is that most canned foods are about 70% water content, which means that canned food typically has fewer calories in that same volume of dry food, right? And because of that, your cat's going to feel fuller when they eat a wet food meal, which helps to control weight. You know, dry food is much more likely to actually make cats fat, you know, and that's because it's full of carbohydrates, you know, and cats are true carnivores. They're what's called obligate carnivores, meaning that they really only utilize the protein and fat from the diet that they're eating. And there's only so much of that that can be put in and still have a dry kibble, right? So fat and protein are the moistest parts of dry food. But if you think about 
dry food, you know, cats lack enzymes to break down carbohydrates into absorbable energy. And that fat and protein is just a teeny amount in a dry kibble. And protein's also the most expensive component into making food. And, and that's why dry food has a lot of carbohydrates and fiber and less protein and fat making it exactly the opposite of what a cat would feed itself in the wild, right? You know, canned food is really high in moisture, which is what we want. It's high in protein, high in fat, and very low in carbohydrates. And short of eating birds and mice and things like that, this is the diet that's best matched to a cat's physical needs. So think of it this way. Dry food is like eating potato chips. Wet food is like eating a steak and fresh vegetables, maybe. And, you know, you're getting a lot more nutrition out of that complete meal. And also think about what cats eat in the wild. You know, cats are descendants from uh, desert cats. So they're they're wired with very little um, thirst drive. So they need they need that moisture. So it will not make your cat fat. In fact, volume to volume, it has fewer calories and a lot more of the things your cat really needs for a full nutrition, nutritional diet than a kibble would. Okay, so what about the, the myth that is uh, saying high-protein diets are hard on the kidneys? I mean, is that really? I mean, I just want to think about that in general. Is high-protein diets hard on kidneys in general? Well, um, or is it just, you know, yeah. is this a myth? Yeah. I mean, I, there, there is some truth to that in that the, it is in the kidneys where that protein is, is processed. And so if a kidney is failing late in life in a cat's life, usually, by the way, due to more mild dehydration than anything else. But if that kidney is failing late in life and you're feeding a cat a very high protein diet, it's going to be hard on the kidneys and hard for the kidneys to break that into the food that the cat needs. So you might have to alter the diet later. But in a but in a normal, you know, cat, other than one that's in late stages of renal failure, you know, all throughout a cat's life, moist food helps to support that kidney and urinary function, by the way. Um, and high animal protein diets aren't only healthy for pets, including your aging pets, but they're but they're essential because that poor quality mass produced food is packed with protein, but from soy and corn. And unfortunately, your cat's unable to digest and assimilate those sources of protein. They don't have what's called a, a cecum, which is a little tiny organ sits right outside the stomach that that actually helps to break down those grains and and corn and things like that. They don't even have one of those. So what that does, why so you think, why? Why do pet food manufacturers put corn and soy in foods to boost the proteins? Well it it lets them do that, you know, um without it, it's because it's cheaper. Let me just put it that way. That's probably the best way. It's a much cheaper source of protein than real meat, you know, and, and it lets that manufacturer boost the protein content of the food. But they're not actually offering your pet 
any substantial protein their little bodies can use. And then in addition, you know, plant protein diets can put actual added strain on your pets because their bodies just aren't designed to process those ingredients. Like I said, they don't have that little cecum thing. And, and as they try to assimilate proteins from these other sources, then their organs, their kidneys in particular, are going to start working overtime. So as long as you're feeding your cat a protein source that is animal protein, high animal protein, it's not going to be hard on the kidneys. If it's corn, soy, plant, any kind of plant proteins, yes, it's going to be hard on the kidneys. Wow, that's interesting. I I don't think I would have ever even thought about it that way. So that's great. So then the next one that's on your list, uh, you were talking about cats need a variety of textures, shapes, colors to be happy with consistent eaters. Is that that sounds like a myth already. <laughs> I think, all that. <laughs> I think that you know the people that say this have been have been uh, reading too many uh, Friskies ads because you think about the dry food that has it looks like Lucky Charms cereal. You know, it's got all these different shapes and colors in it, and man, that is really for people. I mean, not only are they dyeing that food, you know, colors with unnatural dye and things like that but it's just not it's just not true most of that colorful dry food contains fillers and low quality calories you know and they're much more commonly associated with urinary tract and digestive problems you know a lot of the ingredients in dry food is some of the highest allergens for cats so yeah, no, cats really don't need a variety of textures and colors in order to be happy. That's more about us. That's more about us anthropomorphizing onto the cat. Like our mom used to say, the more colorful your meal, the bigger variety of nutrients you're getting, and it's going to be healthier <laughs> for you. You know, it's like, and that's true with people, but it's not true with cats. Cats need high protein, lots of moisture. And, you know, once you land on something your cat likes, there's, you know, there's some people do say you should change the protein up a couple times a week, you know, maybe feed rabbit one day and chicken the next and, and then turkey. And there's actually one woman that says change the protein source every third day. So feed turkey three days and then rabbit three days and so on. But I find that cats sometimes are more uh, more upset by the fact that you've changed things than they are about having variety. You know, we feed Pico rabbit and that's it. And one brand of rabbit. And last week I went to the store and they were out of his brand of rabbit. They said the distributor was out and oh my gosh. And I was like, uh Oh, so thankfully they had some other brand of rabbit. It was actually a mix like a rabbit duck thing. So I tried it and, you know, at first he looked at me like, what the heck is this? This is not my normal food. I don't know. And, you know, and he kind of slowly decided, all right, he'd eat it. But, um, you know, no, no, they don't need all of that color and variety. Feed them a good food with the nutrients that a cat needs and don't worry about variety. That's that's in your head. 
<laughs> that's probably a lot of everything people's head in your head, <laughs> so in your in head. head. especially when we're so, talking about myths <laughs> yeah no kidding so all right let's let's talk about the last one then canned food diets are a lot more expensive you know just just mass to mass yeah they are because you know you can buy a 20 pound bag of food for i don't know next to nothing 25 bucks maybe and that's going to last you months and months and months which boy i really that just these even saying that makes me want to throw up uh, and you know and a good quality canned food is going to run you know dollar 30 dollar 50 or more per can and your cat's going to need a can a day so if you just look at it like that you could make the argument that feeding canned food is more expensive than dry food. I will tell you a couple things. First, that feeding canned food, any canned food, the cheapest, nastiest 80 cent can of food is better than feeding the most expensive dry food. So there's that. And then secondly, what you spend in canned food now, I think you're going to make up later in life. Because if you feed your cat a dry food diet its whole life, it's staying mildly dehydrated its whole life. And it is going to have renal issues at some point down the road. So if you want your cat to have the healthiest possible life, now all cats like us are predisposed to certain diseases and conditions, but you know, you want to be able to do what's best for your cat so it lives longer with less vet bills, right? The the less vet bills, the better. So I think you're going to make that money back and then some in vet bills towards the end of life if you feed canned food now. So I think that's a myth. You know, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but it's a good spot to talk about some of the products that you have out there. Because you have one of those wet food containers, because I could imagine people have a question about, okay, well, if I'm going to switch over to the wet food and I work all day long and I'm not around the house and I can't keep up with that, how do I feed my cat through the day? And yeah. so those, and little, wet, yeah, those little automatic containers. Yeah, the timers. And we don't actually sell those in the store, but I have the link to them. And they're real inexpensive. I think they're like $20 for a timer. And they last forever. Ours have last years. They run off AA batteries. And and uh, and it comes with a cold pack. So you just, you know, put that cold pack in the freezer. And then when you're making breakfast, you go ahead and put the lunch in the food timer with the cold pack under it and set that timer for, you know, four hours later. And by the time those four hours are up, that food's at room temperature and the thing pops open and the cat eats. And then you get home at night and you, you know, fixing dinner and put the food timer out for middle of the night and things like that. Those are, those are really good. The other thing we have on the store are the Vitacraft treats. We've they've made it where we can actually carry those in our store. You can you can get them anywhere. You can get them at any of the major pet food stores and online and Amazon and Walmart and stuff like that too. But you can also get them in our store. And the lick and lap and the the wet ones of those, all of theirs are moist, by the way. Even their meaty morsels. They're very fresh, very moist. All of their treats are moist. They they understand the importance of getting moisture 
to cats. And so, yeah, definitely go to the store and check out that and buy some of those Vitacraft treats because all of those proceeds, you know, from the store help support the work that, that we do on the show, providing Cat Talk Radio. It's not free to do this. Uh, we host it at Voice America. And uh, they're very kind because we're a nonprofit, but it's not free. So it does help us um, to support this show and and all of the work that we do. You know, I work a lot of behavior cases for free for low-income cat parents. And I do just about anything I can do to keep cats out of shelter. So if you also share that passion and don't want to see cats rehomed and in shelter settings, then help support our mission. You know, go to the store and buy some great moist treats and you know while you're in there we have some uh opportunities for you to make a donation to cat behavior solutions which is a nonprofit. so any amount that you send us helps us to do more work and we're gonna keep doing this as long as shelter, shelter euthanasia, euthanasia is the, is the number, number one, one cause of death, death in cats, cats. Thanks for tuning in with us today, everybody. Until next time, keep calm and purr on. Goodbye, everybody. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 